The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Fitzgerald at Garan Perrow Colmus in Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with a relative newcomer to the ASX boards, Nordic Nickel. ASX code is NNL. Last traded at around 14 cents for a market cap of roughly $16 million. Now it's all in the name with this one, Nordic Nickel. It has uh, two projects uh, in the uh, north of Finland, just above the Arctic Circle there. The focus is uh, very much on sulphide nickel. Now we know the nickel market uh, is going through a bit of turmoil at the moment, but uh, Nordic Nickel is uh, uh, well, essentially trying to open a district scale nickel opportunity in the sulphide uh, part of the business. And it's uh, been kicking some goals and early on attracted the attention of BHP through its Explore program. So uh, the mighty BHP obviously thinks that there is district scale potential up there. And to bring us up to speed on how the company is going about chasing down that district scale potential, we have Todd Ross with us. And Todd is the MD and CEO. G'day Todd, welcome to the podcast. Hey Barry, uh, good, to, good to be here and uh, thanks for taking the time. Now, Todd, uh, I think it was a you're a uh, June 2022 listing, so relative newcomer to the board. So I think it'd be best if we start off with if we give uh, investors, listeners a feel for the company's uh, prime focus up there in North Finland. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Barry. Um, yeah, so as you, as you said, we listed on the 1st of June um, 2022. We came out of box with an IPO of uh, raising 12 million Aussie in that process. Um, you know, times were pretty good still at that point. Um, yeah, before we started seeing some of the RBA rate rises and, and some pressure come on the nickel price. But really what investors got excited about and, and backed us in the IPO was the fact that we do, as you mentioned, have these two district scale nickel sulphide projects in the northern part of, um, of Finland in the central upland greenstone belt, which um, is, I guess, historically been a, a domain for some of the majors, but hasn't really, um, had a lot of attention from junior exploration companies in that part of the world. Um, we've we've kicked off a, a, an exploration program at our flagship project. The project's called Kulu, um, and that that project's 240 square kilometer land package um, in an area that, as I mentioned, um, you know, is highly prospective for nickel sulfide mineralization, but also for uh, for copper and, and other uh, potential battery metals as well. So it has had some drilling done historically by by Kutukumpu, um, and, and we've kicked off a, a twenty thousand metre drilling campaign, which we've done fifteen and a half thousand metres off so far. Kutukumpu, of course, um, based on shallow drilling by them, uh, you've actually got a I think it's what two hundred and seventy eight thousand tonne nickel resource with twelve and a half thousand tonnes of cobalt. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. So we when we listed, um, we had all the historical reports from Otokumpu, but we hadn't been able to go back in and re-log and re-assay um, some of that historical drill data. And the majority of that drill, drilling that was done in 
the licensed area at Kulu called Hottenvara, which is a five square kilometre area of the 240 square kilometre land package that we've got. So just 2% of the land package. Once after we listed, we were able to re-log and re-assay all of that drill data. And then um, we could put a we put a maiden resource out within six weeks of listing. Um, and that, as you said, is 133 million tonnes containing 278,000 tonnes of nickel and 12,500 tonnes of cobalt. Um, look, you know, when, when we listed, we, we had some of those um, historical insects, as I said, we didn't have the access to the, drill, um, to the logging at that point. Um, but what was exciting and what got people's attention was the fact that historically we knew that there was lots of disseminated nickel, lots of near-surface disseminated nickel, and that's what that resource is all based on. But no one had ever um, been able to detect those rumours, but there was, no one um, had ever detected the high-grade mineralisation amongst that. And we saw once we logged it that there was zones of up to nine percent nickel, um, short intersections, but um, you know some some massive subsides amongst that, which was got us all pretty excited. And why we why we pushed the button on the IPO at the time. So I'm just wondering what your level of uh, understanding, where you, you know structural interpretation is a, a vector into these higher grade areas. It is. It is absolutely. You know that's that's critical. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting in in that part of the world. Um, you know, typically, structural interpretation hasn't always been done. Um, so that's big part of what we've been doing in the last few months, um, where we're focused on. You know, we've completed this fifteen and a half thousand meters of drilling in addition to the the um, ten thousand meters that were drilled by Rukumbu. We're now using as a vector um, essentially three components. We we're using uh, downhole EM or, or geophysics in particular. So we've done fixed loop, moving loop, and downhole EM um, on all of the holes that were drilled by by us and Otakumpu, which has given lots and lots of targets. Um, but then the second component, as you mentioned, is the structural interpretation. Um, where are the traps? Where what's what's sort of deformed in the system that's been able to allow us to then vector in on where those high grade accumulations actually exist um and then the third component is the the um the, the litho geochemistry that we're looking at as well just to try and find zones where we can vector in um so so geophysics is always important um but looking at structure in particular is really important and that's what we're undertaking at the moment so what this is the uh, forward drilling uh, campaign looking like? Yeah, so we've got um, between eight and ten holes planned for this winter season. So it's uh, it's pretty cold up there at the moment, as you would expect. It's uh, I mean, last week it was minus forty in uh, that part of the world. <laughs> so compared to forty in Perth, it was uh, it was a bit of a difference. But um, uh, yeah, we we're we're planning our exploration program at the moment using all of that data that we've collected already at the Hot Bar license. Um, and as I said, planning eight to 10 holes. Um, the, the holes that we've planned are really stepping out from the existing drilling. Um, some of the best intersections that we had last year in the campaign were actually targeting in a, into a mag anomaly, which um, is about 1.7 kilometers in, in strike length, again, within the Hockenvara license area. And we've got four holes planned into that mag anomaly. Um, and then we've got another four holes planned where we've had some high grade intersections. Um, so the, the strategy for us, and, and uh, I guess importantly to note is really what we're focused on is the high grade uh, massive sulfide potential. 
we know the central lap plant greenstone belt that exists. Um, the, the nearest uh, discovery close to us is, is the Sakani deposit, which was discovered by Anglo American. Um, I mean, that, that, that deposit is 44 million tons, 1.9% copper and 1% nickel. That's what we're after. Um, you know, and we know that from the drilling that we've done, there was lots of nickel in the system historically when it was formed. Um, so there's plenty of smoke. What we're now looking to do is to try and vector in those high-grade components. Um, and, and that's what these next eight to 10 holes are really targeting is the high-grade zones. The, the beauty is though, and the, the benefit, I guess, um, you know, as we, as we drill, we always encounter um, disseminated nickel mineralization, which is just continuing to fill the tonnage. Um, and while it's low grade, I mean, the, the, there's only two nickel mines in Europe and, and both of them are in Finland and both of them are around this 0.21, nickel. So the, the full value chain exists. We know that there's a market for it in Europe. Um, what's critical is, uh, is, is the, the volume and the, the tonnage, but also the metallurgical test work. Um, what kind of concentrate grade can that disseminated nickel, um, potentially upgrade to and we've kicked off a metallurgical test program um, in the last few weeks as well so we're looking to get those results out in uh, probably quite a few too this year. Todd, Europe is a fascinating place as always um, but very keen to uh, secure the critical uh, metals required for the uh, decarbonisation and I'm just wondering that semantic how that how you see that overlaying what you're, uh, you're looking for in Finland yeah, look, that's, that comes to the heart of our strategy. I mean, really our ambition is to become a major supplier of um, sustainably sourced and traceable class one nickel and battery metals. We, we know that the, I mean, the EU Critical Minerals Act now requires 10% of all raw materials um, to, to be sourced in Europe. And at the moment, there's less than 3% produced. Um, so there's a massive opportunity here. And it's going to take a little while, but having a footprint on a big land holding like this in an area that's highly prospective um, it is going to just put us in a really good position when the market starts to, to recognise the fact that there's very little new supply coming on in, in Europe. I think it was in 21, Finland uh, was sort of leading the pack up, up there in the sense that they came out with a national battery strategy. So I'm just wondering, was there implied incentive, uh, incentives to encourage uh, the sort of work you're doing and uh, have to come up with a, a, a new source of long-term nickel? Yeah, look, there are. Um, so, look, Finland is trying to position itself and um, to become a major um, player in the battery metals market in Europe. They, they already have the full value chain. It's, as I said, there's two operating mines. So they've got the, the, the raw materials um, and, the, and the perspective there. They've got the smelters. They've got the full value chain that exists. There's a lot of government support coming. Um, yeah, what we've seen so far um, is mostly been focused on the, um, you know, the permitting process, which has really sped up. Um, I mean, it's, it's always been probably slow in Europe in general, but, but Finland's got a very clear um, you know, rule of law. It's got a strong mining history. And um, you know, with our discussions with the mines department and the environment department, um, all the major stakeholders that we're talking to, it's been um, very encouraging how quickly they've been building up their resources to be able to move um, you know, and make decisions on permits, for example. 
we're expecting there will be other incentives coming along, um, either through Finland's directly or, or through the EU. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of news coming out, um, you know, discussions around what the EU can do to try and uh, accelerate the development of uh, battery metals projects in Europe. Now, nickel, obviously, a, a key battery metal. Um, the price has been under extreme pressure lately, and we've seen some Australian operations fall over. But I'm just wondering, what uh, what do you see as the uh, long-term outlook? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's certainly taking a, a big hit at the moment, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact when, when I'm in Europe and I'm talking to uh, investors and OEMs that they have a, a strong recognition for the fact that they need to have sustainably sourced traceable class one nickel. Um, that's, that is critical. You talk to the OEMs, um, you know, obviously there's, there's the EU regulations, there's the battery passport, um, which is going to be uh, having a big impact on import of vehicles that are, um, you know, that are coming from jurisdictions where they don't have the same ESG credentials. Um, that that's certainly going to have an impact on the pricing of those vehicles, but also the the OEMs that are based in Europe have said to us very clearly they're not going to be um, acquiring metals that don't have the ESG credentials that they need. So it's got to it's got to come from Class One nickel. It's it's got to be sustainably sourced and it's got to be traceable. And that's that's what encourages us to keep pushing on. And prior to this uh, uh, current uh, sell off in the nickel price. Um, there were generally there were forecasts out there that uh, you know class one type nickel the world would need an extra two and a half million tons a year uh, by 2040, and of which 95 percent would be going into electric vehicles. Do you, do you think that sort of forecast is still intact? Look, I I, I do. You know, I think um, we're going to need a lot of nickel, regardless of if it's class one or class two. Uh, there's, if you look at the forecast for the energy transition, and this is what got me excited about this this project and getting involved in Nordic in the first place, is there's there's a huge demand not only for for nickel but all critical minerals. And if you look at some of the assessments, even if you apply the the nickel that's coming out of Indonesia, we still don't have enough. Um, there's there's a massive shortfall coming, um, and with, with the uh, demand and the focus on clean sort clean sourced nickel um, and in particular the critical minerals, you know the forecasts are still very very optimistic. I think there's a lot of um, demand coming still. So <clears throat> timing uh, is on your side at the moment in the sense that you're not in production, but um, exploring to work up a project to time to be able to be what uh, later this decade, early 2030s become a uh, hopefully a uh, sustainable long-term nickel producer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's right. So it's, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of interest from, from major mining houses. And you mentioned, you mentioned, um, yeah, that we're on the BHP Explore program. Um, you know, that we were, we were seven, one of seven in the cohort. There were 250 that uh, applied to that program. And there was only a, a handful that are still now in discussions with, with BHP for long-term partnerships. Um, you know, there's there's other groups that we're talking to as well that have all shown interest in in um, you know, partnering up with us because they see this demand coming. They see that there's you know a, a market and an industry that's still just growing, and Finland's definitely the best place uh, given it's got that helpful value chain in existence already um, to be able to capitalise on that. And um, you know, we we think we're in a really good position, but we've just got to ride through 
you know the vagaries of the uh, the, the negativity on the market at the moment. Um, you know, I think it will change, and it's certainly got a very big future. Mm. So um, you touched on the BHP Explore program there, and you were one of uh, seven in the inaugural program. The <clears throat> What uh, what does it tell us about uh, BHP's interest? Well, they too, I take it, uh, agree that you have a district scale opportunity here. Yeah, look, you know, um, being selected by BHP in the export program was, um, you know, great confirmation for us that, you know, obviously every, everyone's going to think that their projects is the best um, or are the best. And, you know, we, we, we certainly had a very good um, expectation that our project was um, very prospective and district scale potential. Um, you know, BHP then did their due diligence on us and selected us to come into that program. Um, they then spent another six months uh, with us working together with the other companies in the cohort um, and you know, got to the end of that after doing site visits and, and seeing a lot of the, the dual data that we had been collected uh, during the, the program last year and uh, you know, still have that same view. So they're very, very encouraged by what they're seeing um, what what we were encouraged by BHP to do was to really test the conditions of the system. Um, you know, that's always fundamental for them and their exploration strategies, and it should always be fundamental for any exploration company, I think, is just to make sure that you understand that the conditions existed when these deposits were first formed to potentially create, you know, major, major um, systems and major deposits. And you know, some of our earlier drilling last year was really designed around um, testing that those conditions. Um, we had this three-component system that we were focused on, and um, three of the the holes that we drilled last year, we confirmed that, um, which which just unlocks the potential of the whole belts that we've got. There's 35 kilometres of prospective strike there, um, where there has been some shallow um, drilling as well, another 6,000 metres of shallow drilling. Which um, you know just opens up the potential across that whole 240 square kilometres. And you mentioned the Anglo-American discovery, the Sakati, was it 45 million tonnes of one and a half percent copper and one percent nickel? Is that a, a relatively recent discovery? No, it was it was quite a while ago. It's probably 10 years ago now that it was discovered. It's it's remained relatively under the radar to some extent, given it sits within the um, Anglo-American portfolio. But it's definitely getting. Uh, a lot of uh, news and press in, in Finland and in Europe. Um, the, the big news that came out late last year was that um, the the project itself, um, you know, was discovered yet, let's say, 10 years or so ago. That resource was put out not long after that, and then they've been working through, um, you know, a lot of the, the permitting processes and, and environmental permit um, process that they needed to do. Um, they've continued to drill non-stop for six years, having a six year, six rigs on that on that deposit. Um, and yeah, the big news last year was that environmental permit is now approved, um, and they're working on the update to that resource. So we're expecting that's going to be probably a substantial upgrade too. So by extension, what's the copper potential of your your ground? There's historically there's there's a lot of copper potential, um, a lot of copper anomalies and um, near-surface um, mineralisation that had been detected by Odkumpu previously. Uh, within the Hot and Barra licence area, we've had a little bit, but not um, you know, not the same grades that, that uh, obviously Sakadi are seeing. And that's that's going to be the prize. You know, both 
typically, you know, in these sort of systems, if you if you compare us to the to caddy deposit, you'll see um, a lot of copper mineralization, nickel, and PGEs. Um, getting a little bit of PGEs. Certainly have the cobalt, um, that the copper and the P and the, the rest of the PTEs um, have been eluding us a little bit, um, but we're yeah we're hoping to zero in on that with the next drilling campaign. But we also expect that there's going to be more potential to the north of us as well. Alrighty, Todd, let's uh, bring it all together and give investors a feel for what they should be looking out for from the company as twenty twenty four unfolds. Yeah, look, so we've got a, another busy year ahead plans. Um, so we will be, we're working at the moment on updating our mineral resource estimate. So as I said, that 278,000 tonnes that was um, released or the initial mineral resource estimate was released in 2022 um, was based on 10,000 metres of historical drilling. We've now drilled another 15,500 metres with some big step out holes. So we know that will grow substantially. We're, we're working on getting that out. That'll be in the next um, quarter. And then in addition to that will be the MET test work, which will also get out probably in Q2. And then we'll kick off the uh, the next phase of drilling in um, you know, probably in March this year. So and that's targeting the high-grade potential. So there's, there's going to be a lot of exciting news flow. There's a lot of corporate activity. There's a lot of interest coming from, from majors in that part of the world. Um, so we, we're expecting to have a really busy year ahead and hopefully lots of upside. Share as well. Great stuff. Well, really. Well, thanks for that, Todd. Very interesting story. And just for, to remind people that uh, we're talking company with a $16 million market cap, um, leverage to uh, exploration upside at a district scale opportunity in Finland. So, with that, Todd, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. Great. Thanks, Barry. Good to chat to you. Cheers.